You are listening to the Financial Clarity for Doctors podcast by Finity Group, LLC, where we discuss the pertinent financial planning topics facing physicians and other medical professionals. Discussions in this show should not be construed as specific recommendations or investment advice. Always consult with your investment professional before making important investment decisions. Securities offered through Cambridge Investment Research, Inc., a registered broker-dealer, member FINRA, SIPC. And now, here are your hosts, Rochelle Vanderzanden and Corey Janoff. All right, welcome back to Financial Clarity for Doctors. My name is Corey Janoff, joined as always by Rochelle Vanderzanden. Hi, everybody. And today... We want to have a special episode for those of you who want to save more for retirement than the standard 401k limit allows, and for those of you who are keen on lowering your tax bill while working. So this is probably more prominent for those of you who are self-employed, or or if you own your own business, or even if you're in a a, a larger group practice, um, you know, as a doctor or one of the partners, you know, it could be something worth bring it up. But um, if you haven't heard of cash balance plans by now, this episode is for you. So um, Rochelle, do you want to kick us off? Sure. Yeah. So cash balance plans are one type of pre-tax retirement plan. So just as a quick overview, a lot of times when you see pre-tax retirement plans, it's like your 401k, your 403b, SEP IRA, simple IRA, traditional IRA. All of those are pre-tax plans. The thing that they have in common is that when you put money into them, you reduce your taxable income now. So for example, if you earned $100,000 in a year and you put $10,000 into a pre-tax retirement plan, you're only taxed as if you earned $90,000. So you only pay taxes on that $90,000 portion. So that obviously is very beneficial to you right now as a saver because you're reducing how much you're paying in taxes right now. And then that money gets to kind of sit and grow when you take it out. That's when you end up paying taxes on it. So when you're retired, when you're taking distributions, you pay taxes at that point in time. All of these plans, like all retirement plans in general, but pre-tax retirement plans as well, there's a limit on how much money you can put into them. So the IRS doesn't let you put an unlimited amount of money into retirement plans because they don't want to give you unlimited tax advantages. They want to give you some incentive to save, but not necessarily to set aside all of your money and not pay taxes on all of your money. So with like a 401k, a 403b, a 457b, any of those plans, your elective employee deferral limit is $22,500 starting in 2023. So if you're an employee and you're putting money into one of these plans, the most you can do is $22,500 yourself. Your employer can put more into it. So they, they're not limited to that same dollar amount. We'll talk a little bit about that in just a second. If you have just a simple IRA, that, that's all the, the plan that you have at work. That can sometimes happen with smaller employers. The employee deferral limit is $15,500, so a little bit less. And then if you wanted to put money into an IRA, like a traditional IRA, a Roth IRA, you're limited to $6,500 per year starting in 2023. For most of our listeners, especially after training, if you put money into a traditional IRA, which is a pre-tax account and designed to have that tax deduction, you don't actually qualify for a tax deduction because you make too much money. So we have a whole other episode on like backdoor Roths and things like that, which may be applicable for you. But most of the time, like making a, a traditional IRA contribution as a, a high income earner doesn't make sense. 
So there's not a ton you can put into these plans. If you are self-employed, you can have like a SEP IRA, you can have a solo 401k, you can make employee and employer contributions. The annual plan maximum for those contributions is actually $66,000 for the plan year in 2023. So if you have a solo 401k and you're making both your employee and your employer contribution into these plans, that's $66,000 that you can put away pre-tax and not pay any sort of income tax on right now, which is great. Like that's a big chunk of money. So if you're self-employed, like that can be a great way to get a lot of money set aside for you. Um, but if you're in a position where you're making like a great deal of money as a self-employed person, as someone who's in private practice, and you want to save more than that for retirement, it can be very beneficial to layer on another one of these cash balance plans because it allows you to save even more of your money on a pre-tax basis for retirement. So that's really, 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 really helpful. Um, it's kind of complicated. So we're going to talk a little bit about what the plans are, what they look like, how you can actually get into it, how you can make them work for you, and how people typically use them today. So Corey, you want to start us off with like, what is a cash balance plan? Yes. So cash balance plan is one type of a defined benefit retirement plan. So the Retirement accounts, Rochelle just ran through 401ks, 403bs, etc. Those are defined contribution plans where the IRS and in some cases the employer des- defines how much you're allowed to contribute each year to those plans. Um, well, defined benefit plans are the opposite. There's not like a set contribution amount, but there is a set benefit amount. So think of your your old school pensions or you know social security is probably the best example today that, that's applicable to most people um, you work for however many years and, and you, you contribute however much to social security they tell you exactly how much you'll receive each year when you start collecting on social security you'll get your statements or I guess you used to get statements in the mail now it's it's done online. Um, and, and if you've never registered for the Social Security website, I encourage you to do so. It's, it's pretty fascinating. Um, it'll have your entire work history all the way back to like Burger King in high school, how much you earned in each of those years, how much of your paycheck was, was contributed to Social Security, and then it, it'll give you estimates of what your Social Security benefits will be when you or 62, 67, 70 at the various you know different ages you can you can start collecting benefits for Social Security. Um, anyways, I digress. So Social Security defined benefit retirement plan. It tells you here's what the benefit is, uh, and, and then it's on in, in this case the Social Security Administration to make sure that it's appropriately funded and the underlying investments are managed appropriately so that they can deliver that promised benefit to the recipients. Now, this is the same with with private employers who have defined benefit retirement plans. The onus is on the employer to make sure the plan is appropriately funded and the investments are, are appropriately managed so that they can deliver that promised benefit in retirement. And as a result, they often invest somewhat conservatively and the and the promised benefit is usually a somewhat conservative benefit so that they can hopefully clear that hurdle and ensure that they'll have enough to provide it. You know, for example, if 
you know, if an employer says, you know, we'll, we'll give you X amount in retirement and in order to get there, it requires us to get a 12% rate of return on the investments, they're probably going to, you know, fall short of that over time. Uh, but if, if they say, oh, you know, here's the promised return and in order to get there, we need to get a 4% rate of return on our investments over time. Obviously, every year is a roller coaster ride, but you know, 4% is a lot less than the historical average of the stock market. It's actually less than the average historical return of bonds. So, you know, no guarantees moving forward, but that should be a, a reasonable, achievable goal for that defined benefit plan. So, anyways, you know, your brains are probably thinking here, all right, defined benefit pension, this seems kind of odd you know that's like our grandparents retirement plan um, you're not going to use it that way and I'll, I'll get to that in a second so how does this all work in order to, to structure a defined benefit plan cash balance plan in this case you're going to have to work with an actuary um, and a third-party administrator to help you determine the plan design how to structure it um, what the the target benefit amount will be and the, the target funding level for, for said benefit amount um, so that you can you know, work to achieve that, that target over time. And, and then you, know, you, along with the, the financial advisor helping you with that plan, would help select the underlying investments for the plan. And if the investments perform better than expected, it may limit how much you can add to this retirement account uh, in future years. And if the underlying investments perform worse than expected over time, it, it may require you to add more money in future years. And as a business or self-employed individual, you know that that's a little bit of a, a risk on the cash flow side of things. You know, if it's if you're required to add more money down the road to meet the promised benefits. Now, again, all of this is pre-tax. You know, you can put pre-tax money into these accounts, and, and Rochelle will talk about how, how substantial it can be and how much you can put in here in a second. But most people who implement these types of plans nowadays, they don't carry them through the retirement years. They're not getting to the point where they're collecting that retirement benefit each and every year, like Social Security. Most people just stuff a bunch of money into these plans for about a decade or so, and then terminate the plan roll the balance into their IRA when they're ready to retire and you know invest it like they normally would. So so ultimately they don't have to follow through on that promised benefit because the plan has been terminated before it actually gets to that point. Um, but it is a great mechanism to allow them to again stuff a bunch of money away pre-tax for retirement. So how much can they stuff away, Rochelle? <laughs> I, I think it's another good example of a thing that you can do that's totally legal and allowable, but not at all the way that it was designed to work, <laughs> which is really interesting. So with these plans, we talked about like, okay, solo 401ks, like employer-provided 401ks, all these plans, they have limits on how much you can put into them. So there are limits to how much you can put into these cash balance plans. They're just much larger and they are on top of the limits for what you can put into your 401k and things like that. So you can 
max out your 401k, max out whatever else you have access to, and then also set up these cash balance plans and contribute more money. So in terms of IRS limits, there's a lifetime limit, and then there's also an annual contribution limit. The lifetime limit is huge. It's like $3 million or something like that. Those limits change a little bit over time. They're kind of like indexed for inflation, but just know that that's a very high number. The annual contribution limit is is based on age, but it's also partially based on how much income you're earning. Like it's going to be a little bit limited depending on what your income is. As you get older, you can potentially put more into these plans though. So if the, the goal of the plan is to provide a defined benefit over time, you need to put more in for your older employees in order to create that same benefit than you would for a younger employee because you only, you have fewer years to be able to put money in to create that benefit. So it's even more beneficial for people as they get older because you can put in more money. So for example, in 2023, a 35-year-old can contribute up to $89,000. That's the IRS limit for a pre, pre-tax to the cash balance plan. But a 65-year-old person could contribute up to $321,000. That's the maximum. So that's huge. Like there's so much money that you can pump into these plans. If you're still working and you're age 70 and you're making a great deal of money and you want to put away like a good chunk and you don't want to pay taxes on it right now, you could do up to $400,000. So that number gets bigger the older you get. So it can be really attractive for people who are maybe in the last 10 years of their career or so and they just really want to put aside a lot of money from their peak earning years, really, and not pay taxes on it now and, you know, forego those taxes until they are in retirement and want to withdraw those assets. Um, the the salary and the business revenues have to be sufficient enough to get to those numbers, obviously. Like, that money doesn't come out of thin air. You got to get it from somewhere. But it, it's also going to be dependent a little bit on, like, that actuary's formula. Like, what's the goal of the plan? How much are we trying to provide to our retirees? How much do we need to put into the cash balance plan in order to provide that salary that we're technically building this plan around? So there's lots of different things to consider. It, it's pretty complicated, honestly. That's why you have an actuary. That's where why you have a plan administrator to kind of help you structure those things. But there's lots of different ways to to create it, different goals to establish so that you can put as much as possible into them and really set aside a lot of money. Yeah, definitely not something you can just do on your own. For any of you who are do-it-yourself investors, that's great. Um, but yeah, you, you definitely need to get some you know, some professional services involved for the plan design, the actuarial calculations and things of that nature. And, and sure, I guess you could pick the underlying investments, but remember, there there's going to be like rules and restrictions and bandwidths and targets you have to hit. So if you want to go all stocks, that's great. But if the plan, you know, if you have a bad year in the stock market and, and your portfolio is down 40%, you know, that, then the actuary might come back the next year and say, Hey, your plan is grossly underfunded. You're going to need to put an extra 150,000 in on top of what you're originally required to do in order to, to make up the deficit. Um, you know, that maybe is an extreme example, but you know that it's not out of the realm of possibilities. And all these plans are are, are designed a little bit differently. It's it's not like a one size fits all plan. So so there is a lot of leeway and flexibility with how they're structured. 
Um, you know, typically, they have multi-year look-back periods, so one bad year in the stock market isn't going to throw things off completely. But if you have, you know, a, a bad five-year stretch or, or a really good five-year stretch, it definitely could impact the amount that can be or required to be contributed in, in future years. So who could, who should consider implementing a cash balance plan? Um, any self-employed individual that wants to save more than the $66,000 limit into a 401k, you know, and again, that's the 2023 limit when we're recording this, we're actually recording at the end of 2022, but, um, you won't hear it till 2023. Um, and, and that number changes every year with inflation, but if you want to contribute you know, considerably more than you're allowed to, to a, a solo 401k, then definitely a consideration here. If you're a business owner, um, you know, you, you have, you run your own practice, you have your own business and you have employees, um, but you still want to save more than that $66,000 limit to the 401k, um, definitely worth looking into. Depending on the demographics of your employees, how many you have, what their wages are, it, it may or may not make sense to implement something like this. You know, the business is going to have to contribute some money to the employees' accounts. But they, again, the plan design is pretty flexible and they can be structured to be pretty favorable for the business owner. You know, for example, you know, I've got a number of clients with cash balance plans. You know, one that comes to mind, um, you know, they have a handful of employees uh, between the 401k and the cash balance plan. The business has to put about $15,000 a year into the employees' accounts, but it allows the owner to save about upwards of 150000 a year for themselves. It might even be closer to two hundred. Um, again, it, it, it can. it's pretty top-heavy and favorable for the business owner. You know, yes, they're, they're putting a little more away for the employees, but, you know, heck, the tax savings alone more than makes up for that. Um, and if you are an employee um, at a practice or at a business or at a hospital, you know, you can't really decide, I want to implement a cash balance plan. You're kind of at the whims of whatever the employer offers. But if you're at a, you know, a larger multi-specialty group or something, you know, it could be something to bring up to the other owners or if you are one of the partners in the practice and, and you and maybe a few others or at least a few others want to save substantially for retirement. I've seen some of these plans structured at larger groups where the contributions are kind of flexible. The partners decide each individually how much they as individuals want to contribute uh, and it's not super fluid. They can't just change it every month, but um, but the plan has a lot of flexibility in it to where you know you could put you know, a decent amount away if desired um, into the plan. So it, it's most beneficial towards the end of your career, like the last decade or so. Again, Rochelle mentioned those contribution limits where you can you know really put a lot away in those latter years. So. You know, kids are out of the house, mortgage is paid off, you're making a lot of money, but your expenses are relatively low. You know, if you're 65 years old, making 600000 a year, you know, maybe you want to put 300000 away for retirement because you only need about 100000 or so to cover your living expenses each year. So that could be a great tool to, to really stuff a lot of money away, save on taxes while you're on the home stretch to the finish line, brings that tax bracket down more in line with your living expenses. And, uh, you know, in retirement, you have to pay income taxes on all the money you withdraw from these pre-tax accounts. But, you know, in theory, it'll be at a much lower tax rate than when you're working. So, um, you know, 
attractive for people at any age, but but again, you know, most of these plans, if they're done right, you know, usually only keep them around for about a decade or so. So it's even more beneficial just with the limits um, at the tail end of your career. Um, now there are some catches. So <laughs> there always is. Yes, uh, you know, lots of rules and restrictions. You can't just neglect employees. Um, so if you are a business owner with employees, we have to consider them. But like I said a minute ago, there is a lot of flexibility uh, with plan design and funding levels. I already mentioned you, you need to get other professionals involved, third-party administrators, actuaries to do the plan testing and record keeping. And, you know, you're, those administrative costs are probably going to be around three to 5000 a year for a self-employed plan, probably more for a group plan. But um, again, if you're able to save hundreds of thousands a year, probably worth the cost. Um, we already talked about the, the risk of underfunding or overfunding the plan, uh, you know, based on the plan design. And then the growth, it, it, it's because you're going to have to invest a little bit more conservatively than your other investments, um, which depending on the type of investor you are, you know, maybe it's right in line with how you would invest your other stuff. But the growth over time in these accounts, will, in these cash balance plans, is likely going to be more modest than, than the potential growth in your other investment accounts, which you could invest a bit more aggressively. No guarantees, of course. We can't predict future returns of the stock market or bonds or anything, but if history is any indicator, a more stock-heavy portfolio is going to do better over time then a bond-heavy portfolio, and these cash balance plans are, are probably going to be a, a you know a 50-50-ish mix of, of stocks and bonds, most likely. Um, so again, it's more of a tax savings vehicle than a long-term growth vehicle, but you know there's definitely still some growth potential uh, in these plans. It's not like you're just sticking the money under your mattress. So, but but I, I'd look at them more so as a you know, a way to save additional money and lower the tax bill first before looking at it as a, as a long-term growth potential. And that's why, again, most people keep them around for about a decade and then terminate them and roll them into something else. But anything else we're missing, Rochelle, that you can think of? I don't think so. You know, obviously this is targeted towards really high income earners. I think that's where it's the most attractive, but it can be very beneficial to push tax payment forward, which is really what you're doing. Like I think that's always important to keep in mind when we're doing pre-tax savings. You're not, you know, delaying taxes forever. <laughs> you're delaying taxes until you take that money out of your qualified accounts. So at some point you're going to have to pay taxes on it, which is okay. You know, it's money you earned. That's part of the deal. Yep, but if you're in the top tax bracket, you know, you're avoiding taxes at a 37% rate and then deferring them into retirement where maybe at your spending level, you're in a 22% tax bracket. So, you know, it's uh, that's a fair trade, in my opinion. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Yep. Cool. So I think, you know, lots to learn here. This is one of those ones where if, if it's something you want to implement, do a lot of research, learn a lot about it, you know, make sure you consult some professionals and, and they can help you do it. But it can be really, really a good strategy for a lot of people that are making good money and just don't need it all, really. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you again next time. 
We would love to hear your feedback and suggestions for future topics you'd like us to cover. You can get in touch with the show by emailing podcast at thefinitygroup.com or by following Finity Group on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube at Finity Group LLC. You can follow me on Twitter at Corey Janoff CFP, Instagram at Corey Janoff, or on LinkedIn under my name, Corey Janoff. You can follow me on Twitter at Rochelle Finance or on Instagram, Vanderzanden Rochelle, or on LinkedIn under my name, Rochelle Vanderzanden. Check out all of the podcast episodes on thefinitygroup.com slash podcast on our Finity Group YouTube channel or your favorite podcast app. And don't forget to check out our Financial Clarity blog at thefinitygroup.com slash blog. Thanks for listening to this episode of Financial Clarity for Doctors by Finity Group, LLC.